The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris, and uh, we are recording today. It is Wednesday. The date is, what is it, the 8th? And Something that like mean, that. It means we are a week away from signing day. Uh, the early signing period, which has become the basically the regular signing period now, uh, next Wednesday, a week from today, and uh, it's also the day state championships start. Always a fun day, uh, but a hectic day in our world. Before we jump into everything that's happening in the world of recruiting, and there is a lot happening, we've got a big show for you. Nick, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Yeah, like you said, it's been kind of a, a crazy last couple of weeks, especially this week. Uh, excited to dive into it and you know talk about the headlines. Let's start with the biggest headline. Um, it's unavoidable if you're out there in the college football world. It's unavoidable uh, if you are on, uh, on our board. And I would like to go a day without putting up a Quinn Ewers update, but it seems impossible. Uh, Texas, in pursuit of what I would call the prodigal son of Texas football, uh, five-star quarterback Quinn Ewers, for those of you new to the Quinn Ewers recruitment or, or this in general, I'll give you a brief history. Quinn Ewers is a um, all-everything quarterback from South Lake Carroll, grew up a Texas fan, committed to Tom Herman, uh, what was that, two summers ago? Um, two summers ago, and uh, looked like was going to be the cornerstone, basically, of the future for the Texas program, number one player in the country. Um, he was committed for uh, – a little over a month, I believe, uh, maybe maybe a little more, and uh, then decommitted, flipped to Ohio State. Ended up reclassifying, going to Ohio State early. He's supposed to be part of this 2022 class. He should be signing his papers next Wednesday, but he's already gone through his freshman year of college and now is in the transfer portal, and Texas once again has the opportunity to land him. Um, before we get into the ins and outs of – you know, what's going on right now or, or, you know, where we are at this point, Nick, what are, uh, you know, just, uh, we talked about it back when he committed the first time, but you've seen a lot of Quinn Ewers. I've seen a lot of Quinn Ewers. We, we both saw him covering Texas high school football. I, people, a lot of people have asked me and I've just told him he's the most talented passer I've ever seen in my life. Um, would that be a fair statement for you? Absolutely. Uh, his, his arm, his arm talent is incredible. Uh, his precision is incredible, um, and he can even, you know, roll out of the pocket and make really great throws on the run or, you know, scamper on for a first down as well. He's not afraid to use his legs. I mean, even last year uh, during his junior season, which I guess now can be classified as a senior season, um, he wasn't able to be as mobile because of an injury he had been battling for most of the year, and yet he came back in those playoffs and was absolutely electric. Um, I remember one game in particular, I forget who they were playing, um, I want to say it was Elis Trinity in, in like a regional final. And um, it was the same day that Tom Herman had been fired and Steve Sarkeesian was hired within like that 30 minute time range. And uh, it was during that game. So I was up in the press box, you know, handling recruit reactions to that while kind of watching the game out of, you know, the corner of my eye. 
And that was probably the best performance I'd ever seen Quinn have. In the first half alone, he went something like 24 for 25 for four touchdowns and 300 yards. It was insane first half performance. And they ended up dominating the game. But, you know, that's just an example of what Quinn Ewers was able to do while he was at South Lake Carroll. Um, and, you know, kind of even hearing, you know, what he was able to do at camp in Ohio State, it sounds like a lot of those, a lot of those things are translating. I mean, he, he's a surefire, um, you know, a contributor um, at the Power Five level. And he could be a surefire all-conference player uh, if he were to go anywhere in the country. I mean, he's got first-round pick talent. Absolutely. He does. First overall pick talent. It's got to be developed, but it's there. Um, even, you know, I think people look back at that state championship game against Westlake in which Westlake kind of rolled Southlake. But if you recall, Quinn was playing somebody I talked to estimated at about 40% health uh, with the injury he had. If you recall, Westlake kind of adjusted and got to him in the second half. But that first couple drives at State, Quinn came out and was as sharp as I've ever seen a quarterback, you know, against that Molly Westlake defense. Let's give you kind of where things I've been since that state championship game. So Steve Sarkeesian hired. They go in. They start talking to Quinn. Behind the scenes, there is a lot there. There's um, a lot of meetings, a lot of Zoom calls, things of that nature. And at one point in the spring, there was a legitimate feeling Texas had the opportunity to flip Quinn Ewers away from Ohio State. You know, Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milwee were able to, to build, continue building the bond they had at Alabama when they were recruiting him. The offense stuck out to him. He's grown up a Texas fan his entire life. So all of those things were in their favor. And there was a, a time where somebody close to Quinn told me, like, this could be happening. Uh, he, he ultimately decided to shut it down and, and, and not entertain any other schools. Um but it was mentioned to us even at that time when he went into uh, his reclassification, you know, watch out for December. And even as early as I would say mid-October, we started hearing portal whispers. So uh, it's been a long time coming. Where have we been this week? Well, once he went into the portal, um, everybody assumed Texas was the outright leader. Probably a safe assumption at this point. Um, and although a bunch of schools were thrown out there, it quickly you know, if you if you did any work on it and called around, it quickly boiled down to two. It's Texas and Texas Tech. Texas Tech trying to make a very big splash right now. Uh, they've got the new uh, the new coaching staff under Joey McGuire. They just hired Zach Kitley, the new offensive coordinator from Western Kentucky, who led one of the nation's most explosive offenses this year. And you know, they've got a lot going for them, and uh, they're 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 willing to do what it takes to make Tech a better football program. Um, and as a guy who's a fan of Joey McGuire, I'm glad that the administration is on board to give them whatever support they need uh, for them to succeed. Quinn took a visit to uh, Texas Tech on Sunday. And early on this week, a lot of the public buzz has been on Texas Tech. Now, here's where I kind of got to. I, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I got to a point where every time I felt like I had a handle on this, I would hear a different piece of information that would change the entire outlook of the recruitment. And I will say that the family has been very cautious with the way they've leaked information. They've asked schools not to leak information. Um, but I have talked to a couple key sources, places. And what I really came down to and, and talked to some people last night was if a school is this vocal in a situation like this, I'm not sure it 
it usually plays out that they win the situation. It's just leaning on my experience covering big stories and things of that nature. I just don't see that happening. It could be unique. It could be different. Um, but everything we've got right now on Wednesday points to Texas for Quinn Ewers. Before we came on to record, we have confirmed a report that uh, – that Quinn will visit Texas on Saturday, uh, Texas hosting some other big prospects as well. We'll get to that a little later, but um, you know, for me, that's, uh, I think Texas tech had a lot of buzz early. I think Texas kind of lasting through that and then getting him on campus this Saturday bodes really well for them. And we'll go into this too, but I think if you're Texas, you got to, come out of Saturday with a commitment and a little bit of time to operate uh, with Quinn Ewers as your, your future. So you can sell that on the recruiting trail. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of talking about this week, him entering the portal on, uh, I believe that was on a Friday, a Friday night, you know, just kind of since then, you know, as the days go by, you know, Texas tech is obviously throwing a really nice pitch uh, onto the table. Um, you know, they have quite a bit of NIL power as well uh, that they're, you know, you know, pitching in, in their own right. Bringing in Zach Kitley, I think that's, you know, another very strong selling point. You know, bringing the air raid back to Lubbock, just talking about that, whether they get Quinn Ewers or not, that's a lot of fun to think about. Um, but incorporating Quinn Ewers into an offense like that, man, the, the stats that he could put up under that under Zach Kitley could be insane. Um, and then uh, hiring Emmett Jones as well this week at Texas Tech at receivers coach. They're going to be able to bring in some weapons for him if, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers were to commit. But, you know, as the days go by and, you know, we sit here on Wednesday – I think the confidence just grows a little bit more every day in Texas's chances. Um, you know, like you said, Texas hasn't been incredibly vocal. You know, they're keeping everything, you know, the, the same way that the Ewers family, the family is keeping everything. And that's quiet. Um, and when we, whenever we heard, you know, portal whispers back in October, I mean, the reason we heard it is because, you know, we are Texas reporters and Texas makes the most sense at that time. You know, just kind of like looking at common sense, Texas does make the most sense. Obviously he's going to hear out the pitch from other schools, but you know, moving forward, I agree with you. I think Texas is in the uh, best spot right now. I've always been uncertain because Quinn's proven throughout his whole recruitment to be a wild card a little bit. Absolutely. Even one that we didn't see coming. You know, early on, Quinn told us, you know, I don't want this recruitment to be a circus. It's kind of what it ended up being at one point, um, just with all the media attention. And that's going to happen when you're the number one player in the country. Um, I So I wanted to kind of exercise a little caution knowing that. But. I will say today, Wednesday, and this could change by the time this show is recorded and, and released. But today, Wednesday at eleven eighteen a.m., I this is about the most confident I felt that that Texas will get him. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the rest of the weekend here in a second, and and what getting Quinn Ewers might do for you on the recruiting trail. But Texas already got a commitment this week uh, from Kobe McKenzie, the four-star linebacker out of Lubbock Cooper. Uh, we went and saw him on Friday night when all the Quinn Ewers stuff broke. I spent most of the first half not being able to watch Kobe McKenzie and being on the phone. Uh, but we were able to get a um, an idea of, of where things stood. And I thought really, you know, if you look at the week and a half that's been since Lincoln Riley announced he was leaving Oklahoma for USC, uh, Texas started their uh, their courting of, of Kobe McKenzie. And then getting his commitment after an official visit over the weekend, I think, you know, we kind of told you how that would play out at 24-7. There were a lot of people who said stuff to the contrary, but I think um, I think we, we pretty much nailed it. 
Yeah, absolutely. This was something that developed pretty quickly. Um, you know, once he decommitted, the staff went to work on, you know, evaluating him and making sure that he was a, you know, a target worthy of going after. And I think it's funny just because we had a source and, I, and you had reported it last week, too, that uh, we had had a source say that uh, Texas might not go after any more high school linebackers. And then surely enough, the OU stuff goes down. And then uh, Kobe McKenzie uh, hops back on the market, and then there they go right after a high school linebacker. But um, they offered on Tuesday, and then were able to secure his commitment. Um, you know, after his visit weekend in Austin this past weekend, and on his way back, he went ahead and made it official on Twitter. Um, but yeah, this is a huge land. Uh, not only to you know flip from Oklahoma, but you know this is a really physical, uh, really rangy linebacker that I think um, is a really solid late steal here in the twenty-two class. Um, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily over. Uh, you mentioned it uh, last night as we're recording here on, on Wednesday. You mentioned last night that, you know, Texas is going to have to do some work down the stretch to make sure and uh, get his signature on, on um, uh, early signing day. Uh, Brent Venables is, you know, coming in and trying to swing Kobe McKenzie back in OU's favor. They're definitely going to try everything they can. It wouldn't be surprising to me uh, to see them get an in-home visit. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a storyline to watch next Wednesday. But, you know, if I had to put my money on anything right now, it would be that he signs with Texas. And actually, by the time this records, we'll know if he he's had the in-home visit because I believe it's supposed to be tonight. Um, yeah, so Texas met with him yesterday, Tuesday. Good conversations from all I hear. I think that, again, you never want to be too too certain on something like this. But, yeah, every, every indication I've gotten is that, um, you know, Kobe is expected to be part of the signing class next week. Um, let's talk about this weekend. And kind of the bigger picture offensive line wise, um, Texas is going to host some 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 recruits this week. A lot of commits, and uh, of course, yours. They've got a couple of official visitors as well. Let's focus on offensive line though for right now. Um, the picture is kind of becoming a little bit clear at that position. Earlier this week, we both entered uh, picks for Malik Agbo uh, from Seattle, the the big offensive tackle at Texas. Uh, really got a boost from Mario Cristobal. Again, the coaching carousel giveth and, and the coaching carousel taketh away. Mario Cristobal headed to Miami, and that could be the catalyst for Texas to uh, land Kelvin Banks or Cameron Williams from Duncanville. Now, Miami, I think, is going to come in and try to be a player there. But as I reported right before we got on here, I talked to a source last night who actually feels it's possible you know, despite what we had heard that Kelvin Banks might push his recruitment out to February, I've heard that's not nailed down, um, that it's possible he makes the decision early because he and his family have been through a lot with the whole process and they're kind of just over it. If that happens, I think it bodes well for Texas, especially with the Longhorns going in home later this week. Nick, you're going to actually see um, uh, Banks and Cam Dewberry, two of the bigger offensive line targets on the board this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tonight, heading down to Houston to the Houston Touchdown Club event, um, going to be able to meet with a lot of the uh, remaining 2022 targets in the um, Houston area. Harold Perkins is another name that's uh, that's in there, as well as Chris Ross, even though he is committed, going to be able to chop it up with him as well. Um, but like you mentioned with Banks, yeah, if you're Texas, you want to get that signature next Wednesday. Uh, the further this draws out, uh, the lower the chances are that I think Texas lands Kelvin Banks. Um, you know, giving him two more months allows Miami to uh, hop into the picture. It allows LSU to become more of a serious contender than they already are. And then you already have Texas A&M right there as well. Um, you know, for the last month, Texas and Texas A&M have been working behind the scenes, um, you know, to try to flip him from Oregon. And personally, you know, I feel if Cristobal hadn't have even moved, I feel like he would have made the flip anyway. Um, 
And we had kind of been hearing that would happen, you know, close to signing day, close to early signing day. Um, you know, if he still has that same mentality, then you do, you would think that he would go ahead and ink on a, an early signing day here in the next week. But, you know, that's something we'll work to, uh, you know, nail down here in the next couple of days. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, hopefully we do have that nailed down. But that's definitely going to be probably the biggest storyline to watch next week is if Kelvin Banks signs and if he signs, where to. And, yeah, so you mentioned, and, and I would echo that, that we had heard, even without Cristobal leaving, uh, Texas felt good there. This is for me, and I know we've talked a lot about Devon Campbell. I think Devon Campbell's a must. You can't let let talent like that get out of the state. But if I had to pick one, Texas needs the tackle frame at this point in time. They've got two guys in the interior that I feel good about, and Connor Robertson and Cole Hudson. Adding Devon Campbell would be sensational there. I think they're obviously going to keep continuing to push there. But Kelvin Banks is the key right now to this class. Uh, really doing what it wants to do offensive line-wise. So big in-homes this week. They will also go see Devon Campbell on Thursday. They'll see Terrence Brooks on Thursday trying to flip those guys as well. A couple of official visitors coming in this weekend. Uh, Savian Red, uh, the former SMU commit from Grand Prairie. Nick, you saw him last night. And then Xavier Bryce uh, from Arlington Seguin, a, a defensive back. Nick, you, you talked to a source right before we got on the air here. Uh, what's the latest with those two? Yeah, with Savion Red last night, uh, chopped it up with him after a basketball game that he had against Highland Park down in uh, Guy Frazier's stomping grounds in HP. Um, but chopped it up with Savion uh, after the game. He's uh, he's looking forward to his Texas official visit this weekend. I think Texas is in a really good spot. He's going to make a day trip to SMU uh, on Thursday before heading down to Austin. Um, but, you know, kind of talking to him and then talking to some sources, you know, I feel really good about where Texas is at. I went ahead and entered a crystal ball this morning in the favor of Texas um, with a confident score of seven. He's going to be signing next Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, this is a decision he's going to probably make this weekend. And, you know, with him being in Austin this weekend, that, that definitely bodes well for Texas. Um, Texas Tech uh, is trying to come into the picture um, and trying to at least get, you know, some some sort of visit out of him. Um before the uh, dead period goes into effect, which I believe is next Monday, correct? Yes, uh, Monday at 7 a.m. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, I think they're going to try to get something out of him before, you know, next Monday. But um, I think it's a little bit too last minute. I think Texas ends up winning this recruitment down the stretch. Um, with Xavion uh, Bryce, um, he's going to be pushing his commitment most likely, I would say about 90% likely. He's going to be pushing it to February. Um, he was initially planning on early enrolling at Oklahoma when he was committed to the Sooners, but you know he's going to take a step back and really evaluate this process for the second time now that the landscape has changed completely for him. Um, so him and his family are going to take their uh, take their time on this one. Um, they're going to take an official visit to Texas this weekend. This is after an official visit to Texas Tech this past weekend, and it wouldn't surprise me if they make a trip to Norman at some point as well. Uh, Brent Venables is definitely going to come into the picture. They haven't talked with Brent Venables yet, but I can imagine that conversation is going to come here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, they're going to want him back in the class. But, you know, as it sits right now, I see those three schools being the contenders moving forward. I think it's going to be a Big 12 battle there um, with the, you know, the two schools expected to go to the SEC. But Big 12 battle, nevertheless. Um, I like where Texas sits with uh, – he has um, a Savion, a Savion Red, who is, you know, trending Texas's way. If they can land him next Wednesday, that would be huge because they're really close friends. They play on the same seven-on-seven team. And as well, on the same seven-on-seven team here in Dallas, you have Jamel Johnson – who is a 2023 DB commit for Texas, as well as the 2023 five-star linebacker, Anthony Hill. So 
you know, if Texas can do well with um, uh, with that little collective here in the Dallas area, then, you know, that looks good here for the next couple of classes. And I think it starts with, you know, getting Xavier on Bryce into the fold as well. Okay. Um, and then finally, we mentioned some visitors this week. Texas will host uh, a lot of uncommitted guys, or I'm sorry, committed guys this week. Um, a, a large number of their class will be coming in. Uh, so they'll be here over the weekend. So um, we're still putting those names together. We'll have a full list for you uh, over at Horns 24-7 uh, when everything is done. Um, all right, Nick, uh, let's, uh, for all of you who are watching on the YouTube, we're going to stay with you. For, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back with our Texas high school football picks. Now we'd like to welcome in the great Guy Frazier um, from Dave Campbell's and uh, our good friend who has helped us each and every week with our picks. Um, Guy, we are two weeks away from you now no longer being a part of the show, and that's uh, that's sad to me. Um, until next year. Until next year. Uh, it's been a it's been a uh, a good playoff run here. We reset our records last week. We had a record count. Does anybody have that? I think Guy does because he tweeted yeah, it out. Do. I did. Uh, Nick gave no response. He just ignored it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, I'm 15 and six after four weeks. Mike is 13 and eight. And no shocker here, falling up in, in last Nick's 11 and 12. Uh, aggressively wrong as, as usual. So, um, but I will say, uh, caveat. Uh, we all did extremely well last week. I think I went five and zero, and then y'all went four and two each. So, by far strongest uh, record so far this playoff uh, season. All right. Well, um, let's jump into it. It is state semifinal weekend. We've got a big weekend on tap ourselves that we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but hit us with the first game, guy. Yeah, so same rules as always, four big school games, uh, one small school game. I think that's the last week we'll do it this style. Uh, but starting thing, 6-8-D semifinal, 4 p.m. Saturday at McKinney's McKinney ISD Stadium. We have the South Lake Carroll Dragons, who are 14-0, taking on a familiar foe, the Duncanville Panthers, who are 12-1, entering this game this year. Uh, according to the DCTF computer, Duncanville is a one-point favorite. The winner of this game will play the winner of the Galena Park North Shore Austin Lake Travis game that's also going on this weekend. Uh, Michael, I'll let you take it away. Um, I'm going to make a change here. Throughout the year, I've been pretty firm on if I picked a team to win, I'm, I'm going to stick with that team. Uh, I picked South Lake Carroll to win state, but having seen Duncanville these past couple weeks, I think this defense is really, really nasty. Um, you know, if Southlake can figure them out, I'm not sure that Duncanville's built to get into a shootout with them. And I think that that's the way Southlake would win this one. Um, but I really, the pressure Duncanville puts on up front and that front four, especially the front seven, um, and then the talent they have on the back end, they're as nasty as anybody I've seen. I'm going to take Duncanville for the win. Interesting pick. Interesting pick. Um, you know, South Lake Carroll, I feel, has been really cooking these last few weeks, but so is Duncanville's defense. I think this is going to be a really – a strong test for this Duncanville defense, and they'll be able to, you know, face a really solid offense that's been cooking these last few weeks. And they torched Allen last week. Um, you know, I got to ride with South Lake Carroll here. Uh, I think they've just been getting better as the season goes on. Um, and, you know, you might not believe me here because I'm, I'm 
last in the, last in the in the standings. But I feel good about the dragons. I feel good about the dragons. In this one, I'm going to take Carol. Yeah, so I'm going to roll with Nick here on this. Uh, I'm kind of like Mike. I've waffled back and forth. Uh, haven't seen Duncanville the last couple of weeks. Um, no doubt he's right. There, there's a lot of high-end talent on that Duncanville defense. But I will say I think Southlake Carroll's defense, while it doesn't have maybe the big names, um, they are pretty stout and tough. And, and I feel like Southlake and Duncanville might be in a little bit of a rock fight here with Southlake pulling away. Uh, towards the end, I just trust their offense more and think they may be able to figure this thing out a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to take Southlake. Uh, kind of stuck with my guns there all week on. I'm not going to flip at this point. So Southlake for me. Uh, and this is not a double down game, by the way. I'll let you all know when we get there. Okay. So up next here, we've got a 6A D2 semifinal game. Uh, it's 7 p.m. Saturday at Waco's McLean Stadium. We've got the Dittengeier Wildcats, who are 13-1, and one, taking on the Tomball Cougars, who are 11-3. and three. Been a little bit of a, a strong Cinderella story this playoff season. Uh, Nick knows all about that. Uh, the DCTF computer has Geyer as a seven-point favorite here. Geyer's kind of limped along to get to this point, but they are here at this point, and that's all that matters. So, Michael, let you take over. Geyer has the most talent in the secondary, I think, in the entire playoff bracket with uh, Peyton Bowen, Eli Bowen, and Ryan Yates. They've got one of the best quarterbacks still in play in uh, uh, Jackson, ooh, Arnold. Jackson Arnold. Sorry, just totally brain, went brain dead there. And they've got a good complement of weapons. Now, when I saw them earlier this year, they did two things that worry me, especially against Tomball. They struggled to run the ball and they struggled to stop the run. Um, that that does worry me a little. However, I think that Geyer has been, uh, you know, they were so good all year that I think people were just kind of surprised to see them shaky here down the stretch. I, I'm still going to roll with Geyer. They were my original pick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with them. You know, I'm kind of going back and forth on this one. Tom Ball has looked really good against really solid opponents. They beat Cy Park to open up the playoffs in demanding fashion. They beat my Heath Hawks down at the Alamo Dome in the third round by two scores. Um, you know, I found that pretty surprising myself. Uh, and then last week, just demolished Bridgeland uh, in a regional final. Um, they're looking really good right now. Uh, their quarterback, the Army commit, has been rushing for, I believe, over 200 yards in every game in the playoffs so far. Um, they've just been really impressive. And, you know, Denton Geyer, like you said, has been kind of limping along. They've, you know, survived a couple of upset bids. I'm going to take Tomball here. I think they make it into the state championship and continue that Cinderella run. Yeah, uh, I'm going to keep this one simple. I think Tomball's been a cool story. Uh, I love that they torpedoed Nick's football life here in the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to roll with Denton Geyer. I, I think Jackson Arnold, uh, the secondary that they have, I just think there's too much there. Uh, yes, they've, they've limped to get to this point, but Sometimes you got to be punched in the mouth a little bit and it kind of wakes you up. So, uh, Denton Geyer for me, I'm just going to keep it straightforward. So, we're actually going to do the other 6 8 D2 semifinal as well. So, the winner of that game will play the winner of this game next week. It's uh, 2 p.m. Saturday at Waco McLean Stadium. Uh, so, again, on the campus of Baylor, where Katie, who's 14 0, will be taking on the Austin Westlake Chaps, who are 14 0 as well. Uh, two big name brands here. Uh, especially at the 6A level. DCTF Computer has this as a Westlake 13-point favorite game. Mike, I'll let you take it from here. 
I'm going to have to agree with the DCTF computer. Last week, Humble Summer Creek almost got Katie. It was a it was a close one, and that was scoreboard watching for me. I told somebody the only thing protecting the world from Austin Westlake is Katie, um, and uh, that their defenses looked shaky last week. I, I think Westlake. It, it's been kind of a team of destiny sort of thing. Not only are they the best team at their classification, in my opinion, but they're also playing in the last year of Todd Dodge uh, for basically, you know, what they're calling the, their their own version of the last dance. So um, nothing stops that train, in my opinion. Um, I think uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a tire iron at two feet fight, um, but I think that Westlake uh, prevails. They've got a little more talent up front on their offensive line uh, that I like. And so I will go with the chaps coming out of uh, coming out of that side of the bracket. You know, I was excited for this game as the playoffs were kind of rolling along. And we saw these two, you know, kind of on this collision course in the state semifinals. But, you know, as they've gotten more games under their belt, Westlake's looked really good. Katie's looked a little shaky. I think Westlake takes this in demanding fashion. Yeah, I'm with Nick. We haven't always agreed this year on games, but I think Westlake is a juggernaut at this point. One of the best teams in the country. Um, they've got a really good offensive line, like Mike mentioned. Uh, they actually have a pretty salty defensive line, too. I saw my boy Colton Vasa got a Tulsa offer this week. I really liked him back in week two when I saw them. Um, and then they've got some playmakers in the skill spots on offense. So, Katie's a little bit of a blind spot for me this year. I have not made it down to Houston for a single game this season. Uh, I know they're they're good like they typically are, but last week's result kind of gave me pause a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go with Westlake here, and I think Nick might be on to something. They may win in, in pretty easy fashion. So uh, that'll move us on to 5AD2. This is our double down game, fellas, so keep that in mind. Uh, 5AD2 semifinal, 7.30 p.m. Friday night. At Brian's Green Stadium, we've got a rematch from last year's semifinal game. Actually, it's the Crosby Cougars who are twelve and two taking on their familiar foe in the Liberty Hill Panthers who are twelve and two as well. DCTF Computer has this as a eight point favorite for Crosby. Uh, something to keep in mind is this was a wild game last year that ended in a sixty two sixty one result. I think Nick and I actually watched some of this game online together. Uh, so we may have fireworks again. The winner of this game will play the winner of Lubbock Cooper and Dallas South Oak Cliff next week. Mike, I'll let you take over. I've been on the bad side a couple times this year of Crosby. Um, and so when looking at this, I like the way Liberty Hill's been playing. I would love to support my favorite mascot in the state, Prowler, um, the, the number one goat mascot of all time. Uh, but... I can't pick against Crosby, man. I think they, they got a good win over a uh, a great, a pretty strong Texas high team last week. Um, Crosby is, uh, I think they're back. I think they're back at state, so I'll pick the Cougars. Uh, are you doubling down, Mike? You know what? Yes. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. I think it's kind of a toss-up. So since it's a toss-up and since Mike doubled down on Crosby, I'm going to double down on Liberty Hill. Let's go Panthers. 
Look at Nick just playing a game of chess here. Always, I, I got to pick up ground somewhere. More, yeah, Do we remember last week when Nick came back and changed his pick from Crosby to Texas High, trying to play that game of chess and just got murdered? And then got blasted on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, just hate to see it. Um, yeah, so Crosby's been a flamethrower all year on offense. Um, and then they got into a, a rock fight last week, and they showed they could win that way as well. Uh, I don't know if we'll have the same fireworks we had last year where both teams are in the 60s and ends up being a one-point game. We very well might. Uh, but I think Crosby has shown they can win both ways. Um, Liberty Hill's going to throw a little bit of a funky offense at you that you don't see very often, but I think Crosby's going to handle just fine. You know, we keep hearing that that's a talent bed down there that's kind of untapped, so that's maybe something, uh, you know, we can look into this offseason a little bit, but uh, for now, I'm going to roll with Crosby. They did me well last week. I'm going to go with the Cougars. I'm not going to double down. I don't need to. I'm in first, so I'm just going to play it safe, but I'm going to go with Crosby. So no no double down for me, uh, which will move us to our last game and our quote-unquote small school game of the week. Got a 3A D2 semifinal, fellas, 7 p.m. Friday night at beautiful Mesquite Memorial Stadium where we have the Wascom Wildcats, who are 13-1, and taking on the Franklin Lions, who are 14-0. and DCTF's computer has Franklin as a nine-point favorite. The winner of this game will play the winner of Lubbock, Roosevelt, and Gunter next week at Jerry World. Mike, uh, I'll let you take over. Ah, uh, man. Uh, you guys know I'm a big fan of Wascom ever since seeing them at State 7-on-7. Seven seven. I love their uh, their quarterback, I believe Cole Watson, who they call Cole Wascom, uh, down there in Wascom. Uh, but I don't think there's been a bigger wagon in the state of Texas this year than Franklin. Let me, I'm just going to read. Last week in their uh, regional final, they beat both 66 to nothing. Week before that, 60 to nothing. Week before that, 70 to 6. I mean, they have been on a rampage of terror. Now, now noted, they don't maybe have as tough a road as others, but they've been as good as any team in the state this year. I think they're a cinch to uh, come back to state. I would love to see either of these teams. Give me Cole Watson at state or give me Franklin uh, in this uh, in their reign of terror, but I will take Franklin. I'm also going to take Franklin. Uh, that electric offense paired with the stingy defense I think will be too much. I think they win this one by a couple scores, actually, so give me Franklin. Uh, yeah, I mean, these y- y'all are both right. Both these teams have been rolling to get to this point. Uh, in their four games in the playoff, Wascom has outscored opponents 194 to 41. And Franklin's outscored opponents 259 to 13 through four weeks, which is just incredible. Absurd. Uh, Mike's reaction is on on, on par there. Um, I think the two headed monsters in Washington and Malcolm Murphy will get the job done. Uh, Washington gets all the love, as he should, but Malcolm was pretty good at state last year and has a couple D3 offers, pretty good little 22 talent there at the 3A level. So uh, give me Franklin. I think it could be a pretty good game, but I think Franklin's kind of a, a team of destiny. They lost at state by one point last year to Canadian, and I kind of feel like they're going to get the job done this year. So give me Franklin this week to get back to Jerry World, and that'll do it for our picks. All right, and I guess next week Nick had an idea. I think we're picking – I'm not picking six-man games. No, no. But oh, well, I guess we're picking all 11-man games, games next week. And um, are we going to count that into our final record for the playoffs, or is that going to be on its own? 
Yes, absolutely. And I, I recommended having three double down games as well. Look at, see, look at Nick's just trying to position this so he can make some fourth quarter comeback. Y'all agreed to it in the group chat a couple weeks we ago. We agreed to it. I, no, I, got it I got it in writing. Time out. I don't think I ever agreed. I don't think I ever agreed. I think Guy said it, yeah. I, I, I just said, sure, but this three double down. See, now Nick's trying to position this because now he knows he has to do something like that. These are – these extra caveats we're adding on. I don't. I don't know if I agree to these sides, Nick. You sound scared. You sound like I'm going to make it up and come back and win. He's throwing well, four verticals every play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Okay. Um, before we worry about state, we'll sort that out in the next week. Uh, it was a big weekend last weekend, um, guy. You and I were at every game together, right? Yeah, so I'll just let you cover our games from last okay. week. Okay, and and I'll you know what I'll return the favor. I'll let you preview our games for this week since uh, we're going to two this week. Uh, last week, Guy and I on uh, Thursday we, we went out and saw uh, Brock and uh, and Whitesboro um, in a game that frankly it was in town and we didn't have anything going on, so we said let's go watch a football game. Uh, I spent most of the night writing in the press box, didn't pay a ton of attention, but Brock rolled pretty easily in that one. And Brock is, uh, well, you want to talk about another reign of terror uh, coming to AT&T or headed towards it. Brock is certainly fits that. Friday was uh, was a big one for us as we went out to uh, Abilene to see Lubbock Cooper and Wichita Falls Rider. Uh, we stopped at the world-famous Mary's Cafe in Strawn, Texas, on the way out there. Got to say, didn't come away super impressed. Um, maybe we could talk about that a little more in the offseason. But uh, the chicken fried steak was good. Uh, but, you know, there were some other things that I thought were felt were lacking. Um, on the field, we were able to see New Texas commit Kobe McKenzie. We saw uh, Anquan Willis of Wichita Falls Rider, who we both uh, really like coming away with that. Um, Guy, if you want to sprinkle in, I know you've got some other players you, you liked out of that game. If you want to sprinkle them in here, um, go ahead. From last week's uh, Friday game, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm drawing blanks. The linebacker from Baylor, or that's going to Baylor, uh, Kyler Jordan, yeah, Kyler Jordan. Uh, he played really well. He rallies to the ball uh, with a lot of hustle, and it's just kind of a dude that has a really high motor and takes advantage of that uh, skill. So that was the guy who kind of stood out to me. Obviously, Kobe was in the game too. Um, and then Anquan Willis from Wichita Falls Rider is just a total dude. So, yeah, big uh, that, time. Out to me. Big time backer. And then Saturday, um, you know, we, uh, Guy and I have been on this uh, team of destiny here, uh, run with, with South Oak Cliff. We've been in every one of their playoffs. Coach Todd has threatened us with death if we do not keep showing up at their playoff games. Um, and so we, uh, we got to see them really take it to a Lovejoy team that preseason and even midseason was everybody's pick to just roll the state. I thought what you saw South Oak Cliff do to them was a, was a pure dismantling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they at one point that game was 42-7. to seven. So, I mean, the final score being 42-21, you know, they got some cheapies at the end when Sock put their, their young kids in and, and let them get some experience. So. I mean, that game was, was pretty much over after the first quarter. I think it was 28-0, to zero, and I turned the mic, and it's basically like, I think this thing's a wrap. Uh, I mean, because Lovejoy was in desperation mode at that point, and, and Sock just kind of had to put on the, 
you know, uh, you know, had, had to keep it rolling, not get too conservative, but they were in good position. And so. And in the nightcap, uh, we saw Duncanville again take down DeSoto uh, in a game that feels like it's been played on many big stages so many times over the last couple of years pretty easily. And, and what you really saw was despite some fits here where DeSoto hit some big plays, Duncanville's defense is, as I talked about earlier, as good as, as, as I've seen it since 2018. Yeah, and let me add also one thing. Kevin Jennings from SOC has just oh, continued yeah. the role. And he picked up a Sam Houston offer this week. He's starting to hear from some other schools as well. Uh, Missouri State was in the building to watch him. I know they're holding on for dear life there. Uh, but he is really earning everything he should have gotten a while ago. And now it's finally coming his way. So good for Kevin. As far as the nightcap, uh, you know, Duncanville was always kind of just a step ahead in that game and, and the, the better team. It looked kind of similar to the game we saw together over at the store this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Duncanville's in a really good spot heading into this week, and they showed the returns a week ago. So, All right. Um, Guy, what do we have? Well, you could tell them what you and I have on tap. I'm not going out anywhere Saturday, so go ahead and elaborate on that as well. Okay, so Thursday, uh, Mike and I are going to go to Weatherford uh, Kangaroo Stadium to watch Marlin and Holly. Uh, Marlin's uh, a program that we've all been in touch with. Uh, shout outs to uh, Charles Hitchin, the recruiting coordinator, and uh, what is he the OC as well, Nick? No, I believe he's the uh, quarterbacks coach. He's quarterbacks coach. Quarterbacks coach. Okay, uh, so. Shouts to Hitch. He's been really good to us this season. They've got a, a lot of talent uh, at the two-way level. Uh, Darian Gallette highlights that that crew right now. Uh, and then Holly's actually a program that we spoke about earlier this year when they played Forsan. Uh, one of the better defenses in the state, pound for pound, relatively speaking, for who they play. So uh, I think that's going to be a really good game and a lot of good talent uh, on that field that uh, on Thursday night. Not just top-tier talent like the le- guys that y'all look at, but also guys that I like to take a gander at as well. Small uh, school some- Mike coming in. Yeah, small school Mike coming in, showing some love. So, um, And then Friday night, uh, as Mike kind of previously mentioned, we have a blood oath with the Sox staff. So we'll be heading west again, uh, chewing up a lot of pavement on I-20 West this weekend as we'll be going not to Abilene, uh, Christian this week, but instead Shotwell right across town for South Oak Cliff, Lubbock, Cooper. So um, two teams we saw last week. We'll see them again this week, duke it out for a spot at Jerry World. So looking looking forward to that. Uh, and then Saturday, uh, I guess Mike isn't joining me now, but it sounds like it might be. Uh, Chapel Hill uh, is taking on a really good Austin LBJ squad at the star. Uh, two of the best teams. Uh, and 4AD1, Chapel Hill kind of had a little bit of a, a sputter there in district play, but they've uh, smoothed things back out. Really looking forward to seeing uh, Demetrius Brisbane and Ricky Stewart, uh, two 2025 guys that headline Chapel Hill. Uh, really excited for Nick to see those two. Uh, and and shout-outs to Demetrius, who's actually filled in at quarterback the back half of the year and, and done a great job. So he's probably a safety at the next level. Uh, but he's an athlete at the four level right now. Uh, and then LBJ, um, I can't think of his name, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Cedric. Uh, is it Alexander? Alexander, the back? yeah. 
Yeah, that's a guy that uh, a buddy of ours down the Austin level has been putting me on for about a little over a year now. And so now I'll finally get to see him in person. A uh, small, compact built running back, but a dude that can that has some wheels and that can flat out go and has had really productive numbers the last two seasons. Uh, and I know they have several other guys I'll let Nick touch on as well if he wants. So uh, that's our schedule this weekend. Looking forward to it. And I will say before Nick jumps in here, two things. Um, I'm I'm still figuring out what our schedule is going to be next week for recording because we've got a mix in signing day and state championships and all of those things. Uh, but so we'll, we'll figure something out. Even uh, it, it may not be via YouTube. It may be us in the press box just uh, recording something. But um, the other thing is Man of Sock makes the state championship. The party in all in at ATT is going to be uh incredible on Saturday morning. Um all right Nick go ahead. Uh let's see last week I, on Thursday I made the trip down to Victoria, Texas, which as I figured out on the way down uh to Victoria is the southernmost game that I've ever covered. Um not even not only in Texas but just everywhere in the world. Uh, but anyway, uh went down to Victoria to uh, check out uh Shiner and Refurio. Probably the most awesome environment that I've seen in the last probably three years. It was an awesome, awesome environment uh, at Victoria's Memorial Stadium. Um, it's about 11,000 capacity, and they filled it, filled it completely up and then kind of made it into a bowl. They have hills around the stadium, and there were people all along the hills. I went out to grab my uh, phone charger at halftime from my car as well, and there were people on top of their cars looking at the game because they couldn't get into the stadium. So it was absolutely nuts in Victoria last Thursday night. Um, but I was there to see Dalton Brooks uh, mainly um, and his brother Doug Brooks to 2022. Uh, but Dalton, the 2023 four-star athlete that Texas is in on pretty heavy, man, he was something else. Rushed for nearly 400 yards and six touchdowns, um, just mauling through people. And, you know, once he gets in the open field, he's gone. Um, his brother, the 2022 defensive tackle, kind of H-back type guy, uh, he was fun as well. I mean, he could move for his size. And I think the Brooks brothers have a really good chance to make it back to state uh, this year. I, I think it would be, you know, a lot of fun to see them run it back. Um, Steve Sarkeesian and Blake Gideon were on site um, for uh, most of the game, um, you know, just checking in with, with Dalton Brooks and getting some, you know, good face time there. And then on Friday, uh, went down to Houston to see Katie Pato and Fort Bend Hightower. Katie Pato's a team I've been wanting to see pretty much all season. I know they have a ton of guys that are under-recruited, and I was able to find those guys. Uh, 2023 linebacker Alex Kilgore, that's a name definitely to keep a name, uh, that's a name to definitely keep an eye on moving forward. Jeff Banks and Jeff Choate have both been in heavy contact there. Um, and CJ Johnson is a 2023 safety for Katie Pato that I really like as well. Really long, great length, great range um, there in the defensive secondary. Um, you know, I could see him tearing up the camp circuit once again this offseason and picking up some big offers. Um, and now on the other side for Fort Bend Hightower, Caleb Douglas, the wide receiver in the 2022, recently decommitted from USC. He's somebody that Texas has been in contact with quite a bit, um, but uh, they have not offered yet. Not sure if an offer is going to come there, but I think if an offer were to come, I think Texas would be in a good spot. Um, see on Saturday, I joined the boys for the, the games at the Star, um, South Oak Cliff and Lovejoy. And then, you know, DeSoto and Duncanville, those, those have been talked about. Uh, but this upcoming week, on Thursday, I'm going to go check out Shiner once again. They're going to be taking on Timpson and Tomball. Um, Timpson, I'm excited to see uh, Terry Bussey, um, the 2024 athlete for uh, Timpson. Um, they have a couple of other really great athletes as well. 
uh, you know, East Texas powerhouse is starting to become out there and Simpson and two AD one. So really excited to see how they match up with Shiner and, you know, excited to see uh, the encore performance possibly from Dalton Brooks. And then um, on Friday, I am heading down to uh, McLean stadium in Waco. I'm going to be on Texan live uh, calling um, college station and Mansfield summit. You can catch me and Texan lives, uh, Gavin Moritz on the call for that one. Uh, really excited for that one. I think uh, I, I'm excited to see College Station in, in person for the first time this season. I know they have a ton of talent, and I'm specifically excited to see their uh, 2023 running back, uh, Marquise Collins, I believe is his name. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. And then on Saturday, I'm joining Guy at Austin LBJ and Chapel Hill. Uh, for those of you that don't know, i got a ton of family from Chapel Hill. I rep the Bulldogs pretty hard. They like to nod their head, uh, shake their head, because I, I, I support the family. I went to elementary school in Chapel Hill, guys. You know, I, I'm I don't, I don't shake my head because you support the family. I shake my head because you support about 293 schools. Well, I also went to 293 schools growing up, so I'm going to claim them all. <laughs> you did. You did. Chapel Hill is one of them, and uh, let's go Bulldogs. Let's pull the upset on Saturday. So I, I might, if you see me cheering in the press box, don't hate on me. All right, that's going to uh, do it. Anything else you boys want to add before we get out of here today? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised nobody mentioned uh, the cutoffs here with Highland Park going up to 6A. But I would like to say we're going to be just fine. We went 20-4 and four, back in 14-15. and 15, So I know Nick likes to just foam at the mouth, but I hope he looks forward to taking two L's next year in district one. Yeah, so, so talking to Matt Stepp and looking at his projections uh, that he released on Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the potential district with Highland Park and 6A would be Highland Park, Rockwall, Rockwall-Heath, North Forney, Tyler Legacy, uh, Roy City, Mesquite, and Mesquite mm -hmm. Horn. So There's a whole lot of Nick in there. Man, oh man, There's that'd, a lot be, of Nick. that'd be a lot. Of that fun. means like <laughs> five weeks of the season, you're going to be going up against a Nick school. Yeah, I might start claiming Roy City. Y'all watch out. <laughs> but I, I am excited to see Roy City. You know, play these Rockwell schools again. That was something that was really fun during my high school times being able to get them back in the same district and then just throwing in Highland Park and North Forney as well. Let, sign me up. Let's go. I hope this happens. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show. We appreciate everybody for listening, for playing along. Uh, thank you to Guy for joining us. Thank you for Taylor Estes uh, for making us sound good and look good. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach, and we will see you guys next week.